We had so much going on in the service today. Um, the transitions aren't, aren't exactly fluid, but uh, I, I definitely wanted to build it. I said to the team, I said, let's just build whatever we build for the service. Let's build it so that I get applause when I come up to preach. <laughs> so as long as we do that, I don't care what we do the rest of the service. It is good to be with you this morning. You know, I, I think that God has something to say to us together. And I don't think it's an accident uh, that we're all here in this place this morning. I think that's true. Uh, John and Janelle were going to dedicate their baby a couple weeks from now, and God moved it to this week. For uh, other reasons, some of you are in the room that I haven't seen in a while, and I don't think it's on accident that you're here. Some of you are, are here every week. And I think God has you here this week, too, for a specific reason. This was one of those Sundays, too, where things just kind of went haywire a little bit before the service. There's a lot of, of children that are, that are ill and, and sick. It's the flu. It's everything that's going around. And, and so, uh, you know, people that are in leadership positions, people like Justin had to bow out because their kids woke up not feeling great this morning. And so that creates a little extra fun. But you know what it makes me feel like is it makes me feel like God really does want to do something. Because usually when there's a little chaos happening, it means that God has something planned. You're here on an important Sunday. This is Pentecost Sunday in the church calendar. And we have been uh, going through a series, if you've been with us over the last few weeks, where we've called this series, I Followed Jesus, and then we've been asking questions. And all the questions has, have led us to try and understand the Holy Spirit uh, better. So we believe that God exists within the Trinity, and that the Trinity has three parts. And they're all God, they're all equal persons of the Trinity, that there is God the Father who sits in heaven, God the Son who has come to earth as Jesus Christ and who reigns in heaven for all eternity, and then God God, the Holy Spirit, who is God's presence with us and in us day to day. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit and how this Holy Spirit moves and acts. And we ask these questions to get to that. We said, I follow Jesus, but why did Jesus have to leave? If Jesus really was the son of God and he died and rose again, why couldn't he just stay? And we said, I follow Jesus, but why do I still sin? And how do I know that I'm making progress? And what am I supposed to do with my life if I'm a follower of Jesus? And a couple of weeks ago, uh, we took a break last week with the holiday weekend, but a couple of weeks ago, Justin was here and he was preaching on, you know, why am I so afraid to tell others I follow Jesus, but why is it so hard for me to share that with other people? And today we're going to ask a different question, and this is the, the final Sunday of this series. But on this Pentecost Sunday, we're asking this question. I follow Jesus, but what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Now, some of you hear that question, and you say to yourself, finally, I have been asking the pastor for forever to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and finally it's coming up. Others of you are sitting here, and you're saying to yourself, oh boy. Uh, I got, I left the Pentecostal church because of a lot of this stuff. I haven't been around in a while and now here I am and we're going to talk about this topic. I'm already uncomfortable. Some of you are sitting here and you're saying to yourself, what in the world is he talking about? Wherever you are on that spectrum, we're glad you're here. And God has something to say to you. I think in life, I think in life, one of the most challenging things to do is to have to wait 
uh, when you feel like you're ready to do something. You feel like you're ready to go. You feel like it's time to move on. And someone in authority is telling you that you can't, that you need to sit still and just wait. Like you feel like you're ready to start on the team. You feel like you're ready to move up from JV to varsity. And the coach looks at you and says, not quite yet. Your skills really aren't there. Uh, Or you feel like you're ready to move on academically. You feel like you're ready for the honors level program. You feel like you're ready for the AP program. You feel like you're ready for the higher level class. And you go to the registrar's office and they say, well, you can't take that class yet because you have to take this class first. Or your teacher looks at you and says, no, 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 you're not ready for that level of work yet. You need to study more. That's a hard spot to be in. And the one that we maybe have all felt is you go to apply for the job that you think you deserve and that you think you're qualified for. And the boss looks back at you or the hiring manager looks back at you and says, not yet. You need a little more schooling. You need a little more time until you're ready. You see that Eversource vehicle parked on the, on the road and they're blocking one lane of two lanes. And so you go to pull around and a detailed police officer steps out and holds up her hand and says, no, 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 not yet. It's hard, right? When someone in authority says, no, you can't move yet. You got to wait. And we're going to look at a moment in the life between Jesus and his disciples where Jesus does just that to the disciples. Where it feels like it's time to go. It feels like it's time to move. And Jesus says, wait. And it happens in Acts chapter 1. And so if you're familiar with the story, you know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four books in the Bible that tell about Jesus's ministry here on earth. The book of Acts is the book of the Bible that talks about the early church. When Jesus leaves this world and goes back to be with his father in heaven, the Acts documents what happens in that first century as the church begins to build and the gospel begins to spread. And so at the very beginning of that book in Acts chapter 1, Verse one, the author of this book, Luke, who is also the author of the gospel of Luke, he writes these words in the first book, O Theophilus, that's so the first book, that's his gospel of Luke. I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while he was staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Now I'm going to jump down to verse 12. Then they, that's the apostle disciples that Jesus had talked to, the believers, returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon, the zealot and Judas, the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mothers of Jesus and his brothers. Jesus, at this moment where he's going back to heaven, tells his disciples to go to the city of Jerusalem and sit. 
and wait. It's an interesting command because you can picture it, right? If, if Jesus died on the cross and the disciples thought all hope was lost and then he raises from the dead and for 40 days we read, he's appearing to them and teaching them. There, there must have been so much momentum all ready to go so that Jesus would ascend into heaven and the disciples would immediately go out. The believers would immediately go out and they would do the work that God had called them to do. The text says that Jesus had already commanded them everything that they were to do through the Holy Spirit. But then rather than say, go, he says, wait. And the question is, why? Why does Jesus have them wait? Why not go and get started? Because Jesus knew something was true for his disciples. That's true for you and me too. It's something that was true for them. And I'm telling you, if you're sitting in the room, whether or not you follow Jesus Christ right now with your life, this is true for you. Jesus knew that it is better to wait to be filled than it is to move forward on empty. That it's better to wait to be filled than it is to move forward on empty. In fact, when Jesus began his ministry at the beginning of Luke's gospel in Luke chapter 4, he made an announcement that signaled the beginning of his ministry. You know, there's so many people that put on to Jesus who he is and what he came to do. I think we need to let Jesus define that for us. And in Luke chapter four, he quotes the prophet Isaiah in the announcement of his ministry. And in doing so, the words that Jesus chooses to use, he defines for us what his work is all about and why he came. And this is what he says. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus there, I believe, is talking not just about the physically poor, the physically oppressed, the physically captive, although I think that's very true. He's also talking about the spiritually poor and the spiritually oppressed and the spiritually held captive people who need to be set free by the good news of Jesus Christ. And he's passing that on to his disciples now. It's their job to go and to do this. But there's a big difference. Did you catch what the first line is of that text? Jesus announces his ministry and says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The disciples had a challenge. They were to go and do the work of reconciliation. They were going to go into the work of preaching the good news. But yet the spirit of the Lord was not yet upon them. So Jesus said, wait, the work's too big for you. And it will be better for you to wait and be filled than it will be for you to go forward on empty. My grandfather, uh, my grandfather was, was a mechanic his entire life. And he had all of the skills that I do not possess. And he was a navigator in World War II, stationed in Italy. And then my whole life, for 55 years, he, his job was to retread tires on semi-trucks. 
And when you walked into his garage, when you walked into his basement, it was filled with tools, some that he had bought, some that he had made himself. And he was a, he was a master at, at crafting things and, and taking things apart and putting them back together. And I remember in his garage, he had this old air compressor. And I don't know if he built it himself. It looked like he built it himself. But I'll tell you one thing about that thing. That thing was loud. I remember how loud it was when he would turn it on. Now, when I was at home and I needed to put air in a basketball or I needed to put air in my bike tires, all we had was one of these things. Do you you have one of these things? You know what I mean? This is all we had. That's how I put air in things. That's not how my grandfather put air in things. He was filling like uh, car tires and truck tires. So he had the air compressor. And I remember one time my bike was at his house and I was riding around. I needed air in my tire. So I went in his garage and I flipped on the air compressor, which he must have heard from the house. And I took the hose, I took the end of that air compressor and I was trying to put air in my tire and nothing was coming out. And I thought, this is crazy uh, because I've watched my grandfather do this over and over and over again. And my grandfather came out to the garage and he said, no, 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 no. You can't just use that right away. You have to wait. And I waited And that motor was loud and it was running and running and running, running and the pressure built. And you know what happened after the pressure built? The motor shut off and it was silent. And then I took the hose and I put it on my tire. And in about half a second, (laughs) I had to take it off before the tire exploded on my bike. Because sometimes you have to wait for power to build. You have to create room for it to build. And I don't know about you, but I feel like so many of us in life are, are believe this concept to be true, but we do the opposite. We say to ourselves, yeah, it would be better to wait to be filled uh, with the spirit. It'd be better to create space in life rather than move forward on empty. But life moves so quickly and life is so busy and it moves fast at a blazing speed that we just try to keep up and we're moving forward on empty. And I don't know if anyone in the room knows this feeling. But I was talking to someone the other day and he has a high position in a big company and he was worn out, it was clear. And he was tired. In fact, I would say he was probably very close to burnout. And I said to him, I said, you know, it sounds like you're saying you're, you feel like you're building the plane while it's flying. And he said, no, no, no. He said, I feel like I'm building the Millennium Falcon while it's in hyperspeed. That's a Star Wars reference, which some of you loved and some of you hated. That's all right. (laughs) But he could have said, I felt like I'm building a space shuttle as it's flying to the moon, right? And I think so many of us live like that. Where it would be better to slow down and be filled, but... Yet life is moving forward at such a a fast speed that we just go forward on empty. You know, I think we do that as a church too and as Christians. That rather than wait to be filled, it would create space to be filled, we just keep moving forward. More programs and more things and more ideas and more things to do and more people to help. We do it as individual Christians. More things to learn, more studies to attend, more books to read. But it's amazing what can happen when you take the space and wait to be filled.
In Acts chapter 2, we see what happens because they're willing to wait. We read that when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so the collective believers are in the room and the Holy Spirit begins to fall. And what happens is that there's, there's this sign that the Holy Spirit is moving and that they begin to speak in languages that they don't know or utterances that they can't understand. And I know that can be confusing and I know that can be challenging to, to understand, especially if you've never experienced that before. But what we see throughout the book of Acts is that when the Holy Spirit comes and when the Holy Spirit falls, that this sign is there as an effect of what is happening. And some churches, I think, will make the mistake of going after that effect too much. As a church, I want us to, to overemphasize the cause. That it's the Holy Spirit that falls and the Holy Spirit that moves. And then whatever the Holy Spirit does among us, the Holy Spirit does. But because they waited, they were filled and they go out into the streets. And the Feast of Pentecost was a huge celebration in the city of Jerusalem. And so just like people might go line the Charles River for the July 4th fireworks, people would come from all over into the city. It was, it was Pentecost comes from the Greek word for 50. And it was seven weeks after, after the Passover meal and after the Passover celebration that people would gather again to thank the Lord for the wheat harvest. And they would come together in the city and people were gathered from all over the place in the city of Jerusalem. And they spoke different languages and they came from different places. And the text says that the apostles go out and they begin to teach about Jesus. And the amazing miracle that happens is that everybody in the audience, even though they come from different places and speak different languages, hears the message in their own tongue. And then Peter gets up and asks who wants to follow Jesus. And the text says that about 3,000 people followed Jesus that day. And here's the end result. It's at the end of chapter two, that the church devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship. This is verse 42 to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the portions as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. I want to tell you this morning that no matter who you are and where you come from, you have work to do that is beyond your ability to do it. And the only way that you will be able to do it is to wait to be filled with the Spirit. The disciples had work to do. It was beyond their ability to do it. And so they had to wait to be filled. But once they were filled, they were able to go and do the work that God had called them to do. And I wonder how many of us are running forward on empty when what we need to do 
is take a moment and wait to be filled. I pulled into the gas station the other day. My car was on empty. I got out of the car and I looked at the pump. It said $4.87. I thought it was a misprint. Or maybe I had driven to California by mistake. I didn't know. I didn't want to pay $4.87 a gallon. It seemed a little crazy. So the thought entered my mind, well, why don't I just leave here and keep driving? But that would have been worse. I could have done that. But it was really better than in that moment, I took the time and waited and had that gas tank full so that when I left, I wasn't going on empty. How do you know if you're running on empty? Well, I'd ask you this, if the Holy Spirit left our church, would anything change? If the answer is no, then we're running on our own power and not his. If your family and your house, if the Holy Spirit left, would anything change? Just that idea of being the person that reconciles people within the household and loves people within the household is something that so often seems like it's something beyond our ability to do. If we need the Holy Spirit to come and to do that work, that's just what we prayed for John and Janelle. And in your own heart and in your own life, just the ability to reconcile yourself to God to have that own work happen in your own heart. It's beyond our ability to do. Would you take a moment and in your mind, just for about 10 seconds, list all the things that you know are wrong in the world. What's broken? Now in your mind, think about all the things that are definitively working to fix those things for good. Which list is easier to come up with? I don't know about you, I can name very quickly the things that are broken in our world. It's really hard to find the things that actually work to fix it. And throughout the centuries and throughout the generations, people have come with their ideas and their thoughts about how, what we can do to make it better. And all of those are not bad because the nonprofits come together and they do great work and governments come together. And at their very best, they can do things to make the lives of citizens better and bring people together that were once split apart. But they're not ultimate solutions. They don't fix it for good. And while we're trying to figure this out, Jesus Christ promises that he's the one that fixes it for good. That he's the one that reconciles this world to God and to one another. And he invites you and me to be a part of that work. The challenge is, is that that's work that I can't do on my own. So I need to be filled. I'm going to invite our worship team to come forward as we prepare to close this morning.
And as we do, we're going to do something for a few minutes here that um, I don't know many other people and places in our lives are not going to do. We're going to create space for you. And here's what I'd ask for you to do. I would just ask for you to not get in the way of what God might want to do in your life. Some of you are excited for this moment. You're ready for this moment. You want to enter into prayer. Others of you are sitting here and you're saying to yourself, I used to do this years ago. It didn't work. This same group of believers, they come back together a couple chapters later. They devote themselves to prayer. The Holy Spirit falls again. This is not something that just happens once in life and then you are done with it. We come back over and over again to the Lord. Ask that he'd fill us with his spirit. Some of you are saying, I just don't believe this. That's okay. But you still have space here this morning to be quiet. And what if... What if God has something to say to you? What if God wants to move? It's worth a few minutes to see. So would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? And we're gonna spend some time, just like we read the believers spent time together seeking God's presence. We're going to do that in this moment. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move among us. That as we are quiet in your presence and as we are seeking you, that whatever you want to say, whatever you want to do, that you would come among us and that you would do it. a moment, I've asked Gene Breitenbach to pray for us corporately. Just take this time to keep your head bowed, your eyes closed. Rest in God's presence. Holy Spirit, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to do, do it among us. We do not want to live this life on our own power. We do not want to live this life under our own strength. It is too much for us. I was enough on my own, I would keep every New Year's resolution I ever made. Uh, every self-improvement would take place. But Lord, I have seen myself hit a brick wall over and over again. The answer were in myself, every answer would be solved. And I thank you, Lord, that you have come from the outside to come into my life, to become intimate with me. 
crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension weren't the end of the story, that would leave us just alone here waiting for you to come back again. Spirit out to us because you knew what we needed and you knew what the world needed. Just to be open to you, not writing an agenda to you, we're asking you to come in and heal us, fill us, empower us, not only to get over those speed bumps in our own life, but to see the needs around us and to help us do what we couldn't do on our own. As individuals in the community, Lord, we are aware of the pain and the suffering and the problems around us. Lord, you didn't ask us to solve that by yourself. You ask us to wait on you and you push the world through us with your power. I want you to take just a few moments and in your own words, ask God to fill you. If this is the first time, ask him for the trust to let him be that intimate. The Apostle Paul also speaks about an ongoing filling of the Spirit. It's not something we get. It's something we continually wait on the Lord for. So ask him right now in silence. that had gathered together, they probably weren't silent. They were praying for each other. They were praying for them as a community. They were praying that their faith would increase, that their openness would increase. And so if we take just a few moments and I'd like different people, you don't have to have an answer. Just this is, these are requests from God. And if different ones of you would lead out in prayer for us as a community, the Spirit to fill us more dynamically, to lead us in new directions, to experience that God is doing a new thing constantly. So a few of you just feel free to lead out in prayer.
share a short testimony. Um, I left the church in my middle school, high school years because what I experienced was an idea of Jesus that he was just a teacher, that he had a philosophy and a moral code, or maybe Christianity was a political movement. But it just seemed like this idea that Jesus had been here for a while, he left, he was at a distance, and I didn't need a distant God. And so I walked away because there were real problems in the world and I wanted to find real solutions. And then I met a group of Christians who lived as though God were with them every day. I met a group of people for the first time shared the Holy Spirit with me that God's plan didn't end when he ascended into heaven, but that was the moment where he poured his spirit out and the church became a force, not just a club. And from that point on, I have seen people healed. I've seen people released. I've seen Christians confront racism and sexism. I've seen Christians give their life so that other people can have life. And I've seen real problems change. And I recognize that if we go back 2,000 years ago and look at the changes that have happened in culture that we assume are just normal, most of those had their origin in God working through his people by the Spirit. Government, other things have their place, but they're not the solution. God, through his community, through his spirit, does through us what we couldn't do otherwise. And I want to dedicate my life to getting in God's way so that God has to reach through me to touch other people. None of us here have what it takes to deal with what is around us each day, the pain and the rest. But through the Holy Spirit, God gives you what you don't have already. And so I challenge you to spend this week, to spend some time in prayer. And when we come together, it says that God gives us words and prophecies and encouragements and, and ministry of the Spirit to, for each other. Spend this week praying and say, God, what are you going to bring through me to the next time we come together? God, what are you going to bring through me the next time I get to hang out with my friends. And when the emergency comes, God, what are you going to work through me to make a difference? I am tired of the status quo. The Spirit is here to make lasting change. Brian, would you come up and continue? I'm going to invite you, if you would, to stand with us. And our worship team is going to play and we're going to sing together. Listen, I said at the very beginning, and I believe this, I don't think it's an accident that you're here. I really don't believe in coincidences. I think God orders our steps. And as our worship team plays and as we sing, some of you as individuals need to come and to be prayed for that you would be filled with the spirit. And I don't know what it is that you're walking through, but I know it isn't bigger than God. And some of you are looking for work. 
Some of you are trying to figure out what to do. Some of you are going through things at school that are just too much to bear. Some of you, it's been a long time. Some of you aren't even sure what the issue is. You're just overwhelmed. Lynn and Jean and I will be here up front to pray with you. So come. As we sing, just come forward and we'll pray with you and you go, go back to your seat. But don't miss this opportunity to be prayed for as we sing. Let's sing and our, worship our God. Come forward and we will pray with you.